Hey, good morning. Glad to have you with us. It is seven minutes after the hour. A new bill in Florida that I think uh, we have here in Missouri but isn't being enforced. We'll talk about that. Rand Paul on the floor of the Senate makes an incredible speech. I mean, this was perfect in every way. I'm going to play that, uh, or at least parts of it, a little later on. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft, he's going to be with us about uh, 935 But we kick off the program with the Epic Times, and uh, Beth is with us. And before we go too far, Beth, I want you to know that I have a history of destroying people's names. And yours looks eminently destroyable. Pronounce it for me. It's the wacky J in the middle that'll get you. My last name is Relia. The J sounds like a Y, like Bjorn. It's Scandinavian, so I'm tall, thin, and blonde. Okay, keep the tall, thin, and blonde. Change change the spelling of the, of the name. B-R-E-L-J-A. J-E, yeah. J-E, rather, got, yes. Um, you've got it. Well, Beth, I'm just going <laughs> to call you Beth, and we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, but you are an investigative reporter uh, for the Epic Times. How do you pronounce it, Epic or Epoch? I say epic. I've asked in meetings, how do we pronounce it? And there's, you know, um, different theories on that. But most folks say epic. Yeah. It doesn't It doesn't spell like it sounds. It so. certainly does. It's like your last name. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no wonder. <laughs> no wonder you're working there. All right. Um, you wrote a story about how uh, abortion protesters are facing prison time. Uh, the Department of Justice is going after the FACE Act, which is apparently to uh, allow women to unencumbered, uh, unencumbered to get into uh, abortion clinics. And uh, apparently um, feds are looking at putting an 87-year-old concentration camp survivor in prison for sitting no. in her wheelchair. What? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not just her. There's uh, 11 people facing... Uh, lengthy pr- prison sentences. Now she would, uh, th- and and the funny thing about that particular case is she is uh, 87 now, but her trial isn't until 94. I'm sorry, 94. I'm in the 90s. <laughs> 20, 2024. Gosh. Um, and and you know by the time she would be sentenced to prison, uh, she would be. 88 or even 89. Uh, she's looking at a year in prison. Uh, but a lot of the people that we're talking about in, in this case are looking at 11 years in prison, which is a lot more than they used to expect. Uh, they're risking a lot more to stand out there in front of abortion clinics than they did in the past. Why are they uh, suddenly uh, going? Is it just because of the Supreme Court decision? They're sending a message? Do you have any idea what's behind this? Sudden push. Well, it feels that way. We should say the FACE Act is the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances. FACE. It's got a very clever name. Um, so that uh, that rule came into effect in ninety around ninety four, nineteen ninety four. Um, before that, remember, don't know if you remember the 80s, I do. Um, there were thousands of people protesting. Um, abortion clinics or or what happens in abortion clinics um perhaps you remember operation rescue this was a huge movement and there were some 
bad things that happened in that movement. There were some bad apples that um, shot and killed and threatened um, uh, people who work in, in the abortion clinics. And Congress said, we need to do something. So they developed the FACE Act. So back, back in the 80s, the fine uh, for that kind of activity was typically a trespassing charge. It was like a summary offense. But the FACE Act is a federal offense. And it comes with a year in prison and something like, um, you know, I'm a little confused about it. It used to be like $10,000 fine, but now it seems to be folks are getting socked with a $350,000 fine. But um, all of a sudden, uh, they are amping up the charges. So you might get a FACE Act charge face act violation but they'll also charge you uh let's say you live streamed a little bit of your time um uh, on facebook or you posted facebook messages or put on instagram this is where we're going to be now they're the feds are calling that um uh, conspiracy like your con- uh, conspiracy to commit a federal crime uh, by posting on facebook well that comes with a charge of 10 years so combined You've got your face act for a year, and now your conspiracy charge. So they're looking at 11 years apiece. Good Lord, that's stacking. It's uh, what they call that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's interesting. If you look at the Constitution of the United States, there's, there's like seven laws you could break. I think it's seven. Uh, now you can hardly move without breaking a law somewhere. They've gotten so unwieldy, uh, unwieldy and, un, uh, and out of control. Uh, but you've also done a, another story that I'm curious about, uh, and that uh, deals with uh, how states are moving toward user-based road tax. Does that mean, uh, Beth, that they are going to check the odometer on my car or a GPS? Well, I mean, that would be preferable, but instead of, I mean, that's something they certainly could do. I, I think uh, your insurance asks for that or you know in some states when you get your renew your license they'll ask for your mileage but instead they want to put a monitor in everybody's car and then monitor where you've driven what states you've been in and then you pay um, a third party um, who's looking at these miles and saying well you've driven you know 20 miles in Missouri and 15 miles in Arkansas, so we're going to take, you know, your payment will be dispersed to these two states. You know, the gas tax doesn't do that right now. Right now, uh, the gas tax just, you, you fill up where you fill up and it all kind of evens out, right? Um, but what they want to do is, as, as there's this huge push for electric vehicles by the government, they're saying, well, we're, we're not collecting as much gas tax as we used to. How are we going to pay for the roads? So this, this will apply to, um, at first, um, folks who drive electric vehicles. But if you drive a hybrid, you're going to pay at the pump and then you're going to pay a mileage-based user fee. But what's to keep them from starting with just electric vehicles and eventually saying, you know what, everybody is now going to have to pay this mileage-based user fee. Um, States around the country have been um, studying this, and there are some pilot programs around the country, and it's um, 
something the federal government would like to see all states do. So if law enforcement say a crime was committed on Smith and Jones Street, I wonder if they can subpoena that data to see if you've driven uh, past Smith and Jones Street. Well, you can argue anything in court, can't you? Um, it, it is certainly um, a, a lot more invasive than our, our current system. And as you mentioned, you could just look at my odometer once a year and, and settle up there, you know. But um, and, and the, the, what they're arguing is the more you use the road, the more you pay. So, But that's true of the gas tax, too. You know, in our, each of our gas taxes... Um, we we pay some federal tax and our state tax. Well, this program would be um, managed by individual states. So there's going to be a bunch of different rules on how it works. This looks ugly to me, Beth. It looks <laughs> ugly to me. Uh, uh, look for uh, for Beth's uh, columns in the uh, Epic Times. It is, I, I would argue, it is the, the best newspaper I have ever gotten to. Uh, if, you, uh, if you're looking for honest news, honestly reported, uh, this is the place to go. Uh, as, a, as a diurnal, there are none better. So uh, just so you know, if you want to look her up, uh, Beth's last name is spelled B-R-E-L-J-E. I won't even try to pronounce it again. Beth, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Gary. All right. Take care, Beth. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, Jay Ashcroft, Secretary of State for the State of Missouri. He is going to be with us uh, at about oh, 935. And uh, he's got a couple things that he wants us to chat about that I think you're going to find uh, rather interesting, including Bernie Sanders. Uh, that's... Uh, that's on the table for him. And uh, there's a, another story about a Nebraska senator, uh, a bill that would ban kids from church, youth group, and vacation Bible school. What? That's just the tip of the iceberg. On the Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 21 minutes after 9 o'clock. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft uh, coming on with us in uh, just a few minutes at 9.35. In the meantime, there's a story at Reason Magazine, and I read this. I, Brian hadn't seen it. I read it to Brian, and he is literally fuming in the outer studio. He's like steam coming out of his ears. <laughs> um, uh, this was uh, 2019, Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, apparently uh, these parents, their kids had, as promised, cleaned their rooms. And so they were rewarded. They were seven and nine, and they were they were told that they could walk over to Dunkin' Donuts and uh, and buy themselves some donuts, uh, a couple of fat pills, as I call them. And the kids weren't gone uh, a couple of minutes. A few minutes later, the the parents heard a knock on the door. It was the police. The first cop to show up said, "Well, he didn't think it was safe for the kids to walk by themselves." The parents uh, told him that uh, while they did feel it was safe, they agreed not to let the kids walk around town unsupervised. We thought that would be the end of it, they said, until three more police officers showed up. These are two kids walking to Dunkin' Donuts in a suburban town. And you now have four police officers at the door. The first cop sent uh, the, the husband to retrieve the kids. Uh, who'd only made it, like I said, two blocks. 
then mom, dad, and the kids faced a barrage of questions. They said it wasn't safe for kids to walk down the street, that there are registered sex offenders all over town and could take them, that drug dealers were going to give them drugs, and that it was a different world now. So the mother tried to dispute what the police were saying, and one of them asked if she watched the news. So Reason Magazine looked at the police report. It makes it clear that they, the police, were obsessed with the possibility of sex offenders harming the children. Indeed, they pressed the Rivers to search the sex offender registry to learn which of their neighbors were on it. They also claimed that they had received several 911 calls about the kids during the short time they were gone. They got two blocks away and allegedly got several 911 calls. Boy, if society isn't uh, off its uh, rocker. When I was a kid, I used to walk from my house, my parents' house, uh, to Fairfax Elementary. I walked to St. Anne's, um, often, usually, unescorted, if not with my sister, who was only three years older than me. And we were in grade school, first, second grade. The police didn't call my parents to tell them what a danger it was, nor did they arrest them. What's going on? Because this is not the first story we've brought uh, along these lines. Why is it that parents are, that people are calling the police about kids walking down the street? I... You know, you see these inner city uh, stories where these kids are 12, 13, 14 years old running around at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. Nobody's calling their parents and arresting them. But somebody in a quiet suburb gives their kids a five spot and says, go buy some donuts. And all hell breaks loose. So, you know, are we living in in such a treacherous time? Are there people who are just, uh, what would you call them, a nosy, Brian? Would you? Yeah, busybodies, probably. You know, I'm, I think about, uh, who, do you remember the TV show Bewitched? I do. And yeah. who was the old lady across the street that was always? Uh, Agnes. Was it? Yeah, Agnes. Uh, is, is everybody turning into Agnes? I, I don't get it. I mean, I want kids to be safe. No, but it was uh, Gladys Kravitz. Sorry. That's right. I don't Gladys. know why I thought of Agnes, but maybe that yeah, was You're right. It was uh, Kravitz, Mrs. Kravitz. But, you know, kids have to be free to learn their limits. They have to be free to explore a little bit. And while there is no such thing as a, you know, as perfect, a perfect place, um, I, I just don't think it's as horrible as the picture they're painting. What the hell's going on? Why have we become so risk-averse that we won't let our kids walk to a park or reward themselves by going to buy a couple of donuts? James, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. How are you? I'm doing very well, Gary. How are you? I, too, am well. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I heard you talking, and um, it, it just reminded me of uh, something that happened to me in my early 20s. I am the only person I've ever known to get a jaywalking ticket. 
And, um, I was uh, getting ready to cross the street, and I you know, proceeded to go across, and an officer was sitting there uh, in his squad car, and he motioned me to come over. And, um, you know, I, of course, went over, asked him, what, you know, what's going on, sir? And he said, you know, you're supposed to wait for that light to turn uh, green before you cross. And I told him there are four crack houses within a three-block radius. I'll point them out to you. And he proceeded to write me a jaywalking ticket. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I would have taken your tack, but I understand it. (laughs) Well, being older and wiser, I wouldn't have either. But, um, you know... Maybe they could uh, offer some of these officers services to the inner city where there are real problems and start uh, dealing with issues other than kids going to get some donuts. It it seems like a waste of police time. Uh, It's a waste of time and it's a waste of resources. If your neighborhood is so safe that you feel confident letting your nine-year-old walk to the gas station or to the donut depot or wherever you're going to send them, those officers could probably be making a difference somewhere else. I don't disagree. James, thank you for the call. <laughs> thank We're you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. We got a ticket for jaywalking. Did you ever get a ticket for jaywalking, I have Brian? not. Nope. Can't imagine. He's the only person I know that's ever gotten a ticket for jaywalking. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. brother. Uh, All right. Anyway, uh, I don't know why we have turned into such a risk-averse society, but we have. And this is just another example. I feel sorry for these parents who who got involved in this. And I see this uh, sort of thing happening all the time. Uh, Coming up, uh, Jay Ashcroft is going to be with us. And then Rand Paul was on the floor of the Senate, and he told a story about Davy Crockett. And he tied it all together. I have to tell you, I've heard a lot of speeches on the floor of the Senate. I've never heard one better than this. There, you know, there are several senators out there that I've uh, whose uh, oration I, I've found uh, entertaining and informative. But I'm telling you, this one is so good that I'm bringing it to you. Uh, hopefully, we'll do it in the next half hour. Uh, but if not, we'll do it at ten o five. You got to hear this. It's absolutely perfect. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, But wait, there's more. I mean, we have so much ground to cover on the program today. Uh, Florida teachers, they are hiding their classroom libraries out of fear they'll face felony charges under the state's new book ban. So the state has some rules. uh, And these are teachers who work for the government. And they don't want to follow the rules. So, you know, boo-hoo, they got to hide their books. They have to remove entire libraries of books or cover them up so they can't be accessed by students because they haven't yet been approved. You know why? You know how this wouldn't be a problem? This wouldn't be a problem if they stuck to reading, writing, and arithmetic and stayed the hell out of sex. It's not like they're teaching biology. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll cover that. Uh, the left's never-ending war to force everyone to approve of their lifestyles. An opinion piece in the Washington Examiner's, uh, in the Washington Examiner's Examiner. I knew I'd get it right eventually. Uh, we'll get to that. And then a story, is the white working class ready to trade in some of their whiteness? Huh? 
Ah, uh, that's all coming up on today's show and more. Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. It is nine thirty-five. Glad to have you with us. It's Gary. Uh, uh, it's the Gary Nolan Show, uh, and uh, currently uh, my favorite uh, Secretary of State. Well, wait a minute. He's the only one. He could also be my least favorite Secretary of State. He's Jay Ashcroft, and he is with us this morning. Uh, Chuck Basie, uh, who, who is a regular on uh, the Gun Show, uh, wants to uh, throw his hat in the ring uh, to run for the Columbia School Board, and it's it almost seemed like they tried to not let him run. Uh, Mr. Secretary, welcome to the program. Uh, I think he'd be a terrific addition to the, the Columbia School Board. Uh, thanks for having me. I, I, like for, I like former Representative Basie, and um, it is ridiculous that a school board would act contrary to state law and tell someone they're not allowed to file. Uh, state law said these are the dates within which you have to file, and the school board arbitrarily said, nope, we're not going to let you file within those unless you get our prior permission. That's that's not legal. And uh, I'm sure it's just an amazing coincidence that this happened to Chuck Basie, someone who uh, has uh, pushed back against the school board a lot. He's been, you know, one of the uh, most admirable traits of uh, for uh, uh, Chuck Basie is he's really outspoken. You never come away thinking, well, he held back, or or he just he just didn't let us know really where he stands. Um, no. Go ahead. No, I mean he's passionate, and that's yeah. what we need. We need more people that are involved. This this idea that bureaucrats and elected officials should be in charge of everything is a cancer on our country. Our country was made great not because of bureaucrats and elected officials. It was made great by common everyday citizens speaking up and making sure that they held government in check. We've let that get away from us, and we're paying the consequences. Yeah, uh, it has really gotten out of hand. It's it's getting crazy stupid. We were talking yesterday about government expanding so much. Uh, you're old enough to to remember the car culture in the United States. <clears throat> we yeah. were we were the envy of the world. We had these beautiful chrome laden land yachts and muscle cars and everything else. Uh, and now uh, everything's battery powered. I remember growing up when my my sister turned 16, my dad got her a, a car for her birthday, and it was a 1973 Ford Mustang convertible. Uh, so just kind of a fun American kind of muscle car. And then a week later, he came home with the lowest, smallest uh, Ford car you could buy at the time and said, I think this would be better for you and said, I think I'll keep the Ford Mustang for myself. <laughs> that was car culture. Uh, that was a real car. And, and people can't do that because of the federal government. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely insane. Um, you were uh, busy uh, testifying in front of several committees. Uh, what were you, uh, one of them I think had to do with foreign land ownership. Is that right? Yeah, there's been a, a concern uh, with uh, mainly with countries that are antagonistic to the United States uh, buying land 
uh, in states, really to the detriment of the state, not just for agriculture, but also for agriculture and also for national defense. We saw uh, Chinese-held companies that were buying land next to a drone base in South Dakota for ostensibly normal reasons and then putting up large towers and what looked like radar installations there. And we said, hey, this isn't right. Uh, foreign land ownership has been a topic in this state for several years, and it just never seemed to get moving or any sort of traction. So I've been working with Senator Bean, Representative Gregory, Representative Hafner, a couple months ago said, hey, let's get this done. Let's do this right. Uh, let's make sure that, uh, you know, the next time we have a global pandemic, heaven forbid we don't have another one. But if we do, let's make sure that when the shelves are getting bare of meat in our stores, we're not just seeing a bunch of meat shipped overseas to the same country that gifted us the virus. <laughs> gifted us the virus. That's, yeah, what a wonderful gift. Unwrap that. <laughs> um, Nebraska Senator Megan Hunt. What What is this bill? The church? She, she has introduced an amendment that would essentially forbid kids from going to a lot of church activities. I mean, evidently she has a problem with thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not lie and thou shalt not steal. It's ridiculous. Uh, trying to say that teaching individuals good moral values is the same thing as sending kids to drag shows. So minor children, sometimes extremely minor children, uh, can be given various objects that used to you not be able to have TV ads for them on is ridiculous. Um, it, by the way, just let me throw this out there. Uh, any Anything you want to announce on this show today? Just thought I'd throw it out. Yeah, I do. I'm really happy. I want to announce that next week it's supposed to warm up. And uh, I think we're going to be in the 60s. And I think that's a wonderful thing for all the people of the state of Missouri. I, wow, tried. I hadn't heard that before. Yeah, I, he major <laughs> announcement awesome. here. Broken, uh, he broke it here on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, Bernie, Bernie Sanders, uh, one of my least favorite people in the world, uh, is, uh, is, uh, it, it has caught your attention. It is ridiculous. Uh, here is someone that says that capitalism is wrong, socialism and communism is the way to go, which, frankly, that right there is ridiculous. But then he's going to put on shows and essentially seminars and events around how great socialism and capitalism, or sorry, socialism and communism are. But it's going to use them to be capitalistic and fleece people. I think he's charging like 75 bucks or more for these tickets. I, if it weren't for double standards, he'd have no standards at all. <laughs> you know what I am curious about, and, and I know you got a lot of things to do, <clears throat> but it, it, what is your father's take on what's going on today? I mean, does he ever call you up? And <laughs> I would love to hear what he's thinking about what he sees going on. He used to. Um, but he'd just get mad. Um, he loved the idea of a justice department that was about justice, that was supposed to be blind to politics, blind to individuals, but focus on crimes. Um, the first couple years that I was in politics, we'd have regular discussions, and he'd advise me, and I really enjoyed that. And then after a couple of years, it got to the point where I'd ask him a question, and he'd just say, I don't know. I've never seen anything like it. This is crazy. But he is he's really distressed with what's happened with, with politics, That's what's happened with the destruction of the rule of law at the federal level. Uh, it's just uh, it's not the country that that he loved. I only had the interview, uh, the opportunity, I think, to interview him one time. 
Uh, I was uh, the guest host for uh, uh, the NRA and Wayne LaPierre's radio show, and your father was on it. And I was impressed. I, I really genuinely was impressed. I'd love to get him back on. So if he ever feels like venting, <laughs> tell him we'll put a. In fact, tell him we'll supplant you with him for a, for a show. I will tell him that. I'll, I'll let mom know, and we'll see if we can make that happen. Because if you want it to happen, it's best to go through mom. Yeah, I think we discussed that once before. Yeah, we mom, did. Is the, mom is the way to <laughs> it's go. It's still true. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mr. Secretary, thank you for being with us. We look forward to hearing from you again next week when you'll make another major announcement on the Gary <laughs> Nolan Show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Keep the faith. Don't give uh, up. All right. Thank you. Glad to have you with us. <laughs> major announcement is... He's happy about the warmth. <laughs> Sounds like I can get out and wax my truck this next week. You're, no, you you got to give up the truck. Oh? Yeah, didn't you remember yesterday? We, I, we I do remember, but... Uh, i got to give that up. <laughs> Can't be driving a pickup truck, you know. Sixteen kids died uh, over, the, over a millennium uh, from uh, truck accidents. Absolute insanity. Uh, 874-9390, toll-free, 800-529-5572. I'm going to kick this into a break a little bit early, uh, and I'm going to do it because I want to play this piece that Rand Paul uh, delivered on the floor of the Senate, uh, talking about Davy Crockett, and he ties this together absolutely beautifully with what's going on in the country today. So we'll take this quick break, and then we'll come back. you got to listen to this. It is, it is amazing. It's perfect. It's the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 49 minutes after uh, 9 o'clock. Glad to have you with us. Roughly 10 to 10. i, I got to play this very quickly because it's, it's somewhat lengthy. I'm not going to play the whole thing. But it is a brilliant lesson in government spending. And it's uh, Senator Rand Paul... Uh, and, and it's a piece that uh, he tells a story in about uh, Davy Crockett. It's brilliant. Today the Senate is uh, considering a bill to give $40 billion to Ukraine. This bill brings up the questions of both constitutionality and also affordability. There was an essay written in 1867 that was published in Harper's Magazine. It was called Not Yours to Give. It's the story of Davy, Crock Davy Crockett as a congressman in the late 1820s. Like most stories of that vintage, some will argue that the story is an accurate rendition, while others may say it is apocryphal. The moral of the story, however, is incontestable. Davy Crockett only served two terms in Congress, but on one day in Congress, he was confronted with a bill to give money to the widow of a military officer. Davy Crockett arose and gave this speech. Mr. Speaker, I have as much respect for the memory of the deceased and as much sympathy for the suffering of the living, if suffering there be as any man in the house. But we must not permit our respect for the dead or our sympathy for a part of the living to lead us into an act of injustice to the balance of the living. We have the right as individuals to give away as much of our own money as we please in charity, but as members of Congress, we have no right so to appropriate a dollar of the public money. Davy Crockett continued, I'm the poorest man on this floor. I cannot vote for this bill, but I will give a one week's pay. I will give my check for one week. And if every member of Congress were to do this, it will amount to more than this bill asked for. When Crockett finished, there was silence. 
and remarkably the bill failed. When later asked for an explanation, Davy Crockett Croc explained, he said several years ago, I was standing one evening on the steps of the Capitol when we saw a large great light over Georgetown. It was evidently a large fire. We jumped into a hack and drove over there as fast as we could. In spite of all that could be done, many houses were burned and many families were made homeless. And besides, some of them had lost all but the clothes they had on. The weather was very cold. And when I saw so many women and children suffering, I felt that something must be done. The next morning, a bill was introduced appropriating $20,000 for their relief. We put aside all of the business and rushed it through as soon as it could be done. Later in the year, when Davy Crockett was back in Tennessee, he ran into a constituent by the name of Horatio Bunce. Crockett asked him for his vote, and Horatio Bunce respond, responded thusly. He said, you had better not waste your time on my vote. I shall not vote for you again. Your vote last winter shows that either you have not the capacity to understand the Constitution or that you're wanting in honesty and firmness to be guided by it. Because the Constitution, to be worth anything, must be held sacred and rigidly observed in all its provisions. The man who wields power and misinterprets the Constitution is more dangerous the more honest he is. Horatio Bunce continued. He says, no, Colonel, there's no mistake. The newspapers say that last winter you voted for this bill to give $20,000 to some who suffered from a fire in Georgetown. Is that true? Congressman Crockett answered him, well, my friend, I may as well own up. You've got me there. But certainly nobody would complain that a great and rich country like ours couldn't give $20,000, the insignificant sum of $20,000 to relieve its suffering women and children. Horatio Bunce replied to Congressman Crockett. He said, the power of collecting and dispersing money at pleasure is the most dangerous power that can be entrusted to a man. While you are contributing to relieve one, you are drawing it from thousands who are even worse off than he. If you had the right to give anything, the amount was simply a matter of discretion with you. And you had as much right to give 20 million as to give 20,000. If you have the right to give to one, you have the right to give to all. And as the Constitution neither defines charity nor stipulates the amount, you are at liberty to give to any and everything which you may believe or profess to believe as a charity, and to any amount you may think proper. No, Colonel Crockett, Congress has no right to give charity. Individual members may give as much of their own money as they please, but they have no right to touch a dollar of the public money for that purpose. If twice as many houses had burned in this county in Tennessee, as had in Georgetown, neither you nor any other members of Congress would have thought of appropriating a dollar for our relief. Bunce informed Crockett that if each congressman had shown their sympathy for the fire victims by giving one week's pay, it would have nearly covered the cost. But it was easier simply to give other people's money. Bunce continued, the people about Washington no doubt applauded you for relieving them from the necessity of giving. By giving was not what was not yours to give. The people have delegated Congress by the Constitution the power to certain things. To do these, it is authorized to collect and pay monies. 
and for nothing else. Everything beyond this is usurpation and a violation of the Constitution. So you see, Colonel, you have violated the Constitution in what I consider a vital point. It is a precedent fraught with danger to the country, for when Congress begins to stretch its power beyond the limits of the Constitution, there is no limit to it and no security for the people. Today we are faced with a vastly greater sum of money than $20,000. We are faced with $40 billion to be gifted to Ukraine. A noble cause, no doubt, a cause for which I have great sympathy and support, but a cause for which the Constitution does not sanction or approve of. Now we could ask, as Davy Crockett did, if each member of the Senate would like to contribute individually to Ukraine. But of course, that would simply serve to demonstrate the enormity of the gift. To come up with $40 billion, each senator would need to give $400 million. Not a likely scenario. It's much easier to spend such exorbitant amounts if you're spending someone else's money. But even if the senators won't agree to contribute their own money, surely we're a rich country and can afford it. Well, not exactly. The U.S. debt now approaches $30 trillion. In the past two years alone, we have added nearly $6 trillion in new debt. Inflation roars throughout the land. Grocery bills are punishing the working class and poor. And gas prices exceed $5. Even before the pandemic bailouts, our country was running a trillion-dollar annual deficit just to pay for its routine commitments. Putting aside the constitutionality of the $40 billion to Ukraine, isn't there a more fiscally responsible way this could be done? What about taking the $40 billion from elsewhere in the budget? The U.S. spends more on our military than the next eight countries combined. That is, I think... A brilliant speech. It goes on. We can't play any more of it. It would it would just take too much time. But his points were very well made. Uh, that you know, they're taking this money for any charitable cause they think is worthwhile, and that isn't their job. And we're running this huge debt, and nobody is stopping it. Do you see what what uh, President Biden said? He thinks that global warming is a greater threat to the United States than nuclear war. <laughs> I mean, we've got leadership that is totally screwed up. Absolutely insane. Well, the oceans are boiling, you know. <laughs> yes, well, that's because the Earth's cr- uh, 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 Millions and millions, millions of, degrees. of degrees. Yeah, the core of the Earth. Yeah, you didn't know that either, did you? Uh, no, I was uh, stunned <laughs> to learn that it was millions, of millions of degrees. We're like the sun, or even hotter. But the point is, we don't have the authority to do this in Washington, and it's easy to give somebody else's money, and that's what the Democrats are good at. They're good at giving your money. They don't want to be burdened with giving their money. It's easier to just take it from somebody else. Gary Nolan Joe Zimmer, Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show.